Hey guys, welcome back to the Woodworking Podcast. My name is Nick Ferry. I can be found at nickferry.com. Joined with April Wilkerson of wilkerdoos.com and Jay Bates of jayscustomcreations.com. What inflection. What a guy. What an announcer. I thought you said wood inflection. No, what an inflection. Oh. Well, I'm the master of inflection. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I, I don't even know what that trophy would look like. But before we get into too much tomfoolery, I just want to go ahead and thank all the people on Patreon. If you guys wanted to support the Woodworking Podcast, uh, you can go to the Woodworking... Oh, no. Well, I guess you could go to that, too. You go to patreon.com forward slash the Woodworking Podcast. And it, if you type it in, T-H-E, Woodworking Podcast, the or the, I guess, is both acceptable. <laughs> yes, the or the. English language for you. Exactly. And thank you, as always, for all of the support on Patreon and the website. You can also go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com, and there is a contribute button on the sidebar there. Uh, you guys are awesome. Yes. Thank you very much. Everything is awesome. What song is that? Some Lego movie. It's Lego movie, I think. Okay. It's one I haven't seen. I'm out of the loop. I don't know why you would see that. Oh, I love cartoons. Like, typically I watch all of the cartoon movies, like with nieces and nephews, or just because I'm a child inside. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's when you have kids that they're constantly on that you kind of go, ugh, somebody shoot me. Hmm. So on our little list here, what is April has axe handle blender? Oh, it's supposed to be blender. Did I put blender? Oh, you put a blender. I was like, you put an axe handle in a blender. Like, I was confused. <laughs> I should have put it in. I, I might still actually put it in my blender. No, I meant blender. <laughs> I, I made a blender. Uh, That's what so we're going to start this podcast off with is my blender. <laughs> unless you want to start with your blender. Okay, let's start with the blender then. Yeah, so I went through all of this uh, trial and error and all through all the effort of making an axe handle. And then I get to the very end where I'm hanging the head. And I not only hang it upside down, but also backwards on the handle. And of course, the, the eye of the handle is shaped in a directional manner to where I could have, if I, if I was able to wrestle off the head without tearing up the eye, then I could have mounted it at least correctly, not, not upside down, right side up. But there was no way to not make it backwards on the stupid handle. Anyways, I was kicking myself and I was like, I cannot believe I did this. But yeah, just not paying attention, rushing through the project, and I stuck it in there, shaped it, and then cut the cut the wedge and mounted it. Anyways, so I started over. I had to start over. What are you making the handle out of? Uh, now it's it's out of oak. I okay. went to I went to my local store uh, on the hunt for ash, but they didn't have uh, thick enough pieces of ash that I could make it out of without doing a glue up. Um, and they had, they had a board of hickory. They had just had somebody come in and take a lot of their stock of, of hickory. Cause I was looking for a piece at least four inches wide. Anyways, they had one, it was super bowed. So I ended up being, no, I didn't want to mess with it. So I ended up going with some white oak, which is super strong. But now people on Instagram are saying, uh, one miss and it's going to end up shattering on you, which I don't know if that's true or not. I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. Well, if you get the handle on upside down and all that good stuff, I, I highly doubt you'll get the momentum to shatter it. <laughs> no, this this one, I, I started over. So I, I, I reshaped it and I'm now back to cutting, op uh, cutting the eye and hanging it. 
and um, it's it, it 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 I don't know. It's double sided because on the first one, uh, I was really rough on shape or doing the rough shape with the bandsaw. Um, you know, it's it's funny because I don't really use the bandsaw as often as I should. I don't think it's just not one of those tools to where I instinctually think. I'm going to go to the bandsaw. I use the table saw. I use a jigsaw. I just use a, a different variety of tools. But on this, you're kind of like cornered into using the bandsaw. And so doing this, doing it the second time, I was able to see a huge improvement in the uh, cut quality that I was making on just the roughing it in, which drastically changed how much easier it was to shape on the sander and how much more uh, even and consistent the entire profile of the handle handle is. So, I mean, there is an upside to having do it a second time. And then on that note, on the very first one, I used just a spindle sander and also my belt sander for uh, making the eye. And I, I ended up taking off too much material to where it was not a super snug fit. Uh, like you could see uh, some spaces on it. And so again, another upside to doing it a second time is on this on this now, on the second time I'm doing uh, just RAS. And I also am using like a little palm sander just for really light, easy sanding. So, yep. But, but just, you, you, you use ahead. the uh, spindle sander quite a bit then, huh? No, on the, on the first one I did. On the <laughs> second one I didn't. I see where he's going. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh, oh, yeah, totally still. I am still team spindle sander. This episode is sponsored by Spindle Sanders and those who use them. Those who support them. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I'll see you later and uh, this time next week. <laughs> hey, uh, eventually we will get you on the bandwagon, Jay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, making it a second time, that kind of puts you into the, in, in the, the position of prototyping, inadvertently in a position of prototyping, you know, seeing the benefits of of having a test run first, although you inadvertently went that route, but there are benefits of of doing a prototype first that we definitely we often hardly ever see just because of the way we we work for the content, you know. Yeah, we don't do production work to where we're building the same thing and are able to refine our systems or or change our techniques by what what the process opens us up to like the first time I, I relied heavily on the spindle sander for the kind of rough shaping after cutting it in the bandsaw and then on the second one I switched to using the belt sander right away and it was just a lot easier to get rid of or get a more fluid consistent uh, feel to the handle right off the bat uh, but if I weren't making it the second time then I wouldn't have had that that um experimentation period where I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to change up the tool and just see what difference it makes. So yeah, the, doing the prototype, except for in this case, I was using a four foot chunk or three foot chunk of white oak. So it cost me 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever thought of using a, uh, or, ha or do you even have one, uh, a spoke shave? Man, I got, a, I bought a spoke shave whenever I was in New York at an antique store with Jimmy DeResta. And I just, I, I haven't taken the time to clean it up or sharpen the blade. And so uh, I wasn't able to use it on this handle. And then I was like, screw this. I'm going to order one off Amazon. But of course, then it's not going to be here until I'm after I'm done with the handle. So I shaped the handles on my wheelbarrow with a spoke shave. And boy, was that a lot of fun. That was, that yeah? was a, uh, oh yeah, it was a lot of fun because you can set the depth, of course, to, uh, you know, roughing or taking off little passes to really smooth off all of your your, your straight planes, I guess, that you're making with uh, the spoke shape. But you can 
you can shape with it very well, and it just just comes to life. The shape the shape does, and it's quick. It's really really quick. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm going to get one. Somebody on Instagram actually reached out saying that he has an extra, and we'd be glad to send it to me. But again, it's just going to be here too late to to do the handle shaping with. But yeah, I'm I'm interested in in getting one and using one. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, I was kicking myself in the butt for having to do it again. But this one, I think, is coming out a lot better than the first one. So I guess at the end of the day, it it works out. All right. Well, we don't have a tremendous amount of time today. So Nick, what have you got going on? He says new software and too much computer time. Yeah, I mentioned this on my second channel. Um, You know, I just it's been a while since I had a project video out. And I realized, you know, not everyone is interested in the behind the scenes stuff. But to keep it short, I've been just sitting behind a computer for way too long, whether it's editing or trying to make plans or sketch up and layout and stuff. So I just, I've dedicated a few days, well, essentially a week to trying to learn, um, like InDesign is a nice layout program and I've been using it, but just not proficiently and just wasting too much time trying to figure out how the software works. So I kind of just said, screw it. I'm just going to learn it and, you know, take out the time now and that way I'll be better at it later. Yeah, InDesign is a great program for making PDFs or making um, books or any type of document like that. So that's what I use as my final step in making plans is InDesign. But it's a very oh, okay. specific program. Well, after our last podcast, I got I got a, quite a few emails from people who were interested in the in the making the plans bit. So that's exciting. Maybe uh, I'll share their their contact information with you, Nick, if you were if you're interested. I'm extremely interested, just because. Um, and I, and I don't want to sound like I'm negative or complaining. I, I mean, but I, I literally started this journey with just throwing up a couple videos and I, I, I value my shop time. I value the actual making projects. And unfortunately to turn this into a business, there's, as you guys both know, a lot of behind the scenes, just it's computer time. And I'm not a huge computer guy. I could never work in an office nine to five in a cubicle. I would I would drive myself nuts, absolutely. So yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. I'll send you some emails. Sure, thank you. Mm-hmm. Jay, what do you have going on? That's pretty much the same thing I've been doing. Um, still can't get out in the shop, and well, actually, I take it back. I, I've got clearance from the doctor to get back to woodworking, but uh, with a respirator. Well, my nose is still a little too sore to actually wear a respirator, so. I'm probably going to be not making anything for the next week or two. Um, So that means a lot of computer time as usual. So uh, I didn't plan on making plans for the benchtop router table I made at the end of 2016, but I've had a lot of requests for it. So I went ahead and knocked out the plans for it, which, as Nick says, it's quite of a... It's a time-consuming process no matter what. Um, that and trying to plan and schedule some upcoming stuff because I'm not really making projects. Uh, I want to kind of do a little bit more on my second channel. So I'm trying to stay on the two videos per week thing, uh, for the second channel, because really I've realized that making videos without projects is so much quicker. I was talking to April about this earlier, like all these other channels and different niches. I know there's there's struggles and time constraints for just about any video on YouTube, but some of these other channels that just you know their their content is is a conversation style rather than like physically creating. Um, it's just so much easier to do. 
it's a lot quicker to do. So uh, last week we did I did a shop tour and then also a like a tool talk style video on my miter saw station. This week I'm going to try and do the exact same thing on my workbench and then also Saturday uh, I'm going to uh, Wayne Brown's place, buddy of mine, a couple hours south of here, and I'm going to try and shoot some type of like a storytelling kind of video, not necessarily a project, but still woodworking related. Um, don't want to get into it too much, but it's going to be a totally different style than what I'm used to putting out on my second channel. And then also, I forgot last week, uh, Wayne was in town up here, and he just got a brand new Lee Nielsen number four brass, uh, or bronze rather, bronze smoothing plane. Just, uh, oh man, such a nice plane. So we did a little comparison video on it compared to my Wood River, which is kind of like, you know, nothing new kind of video. But it was it was fun to make another quick little uh, plane video, I guess. So that's going to be out, I think, Sunday. So my days are, are kind of running together. But I'm trying to stay busy without being in the shop creating actual projects, you know. Your uh, Jason Barlow shop tour I, I loved that video me too great that was awesome yeah jason's uh he's a character he had me going a couple times i like shop tour videos just in general i know you know and i would encourage anybody even if they've never put out a video ever get yourself a, a cell phone camera and just put it up on youtube or just a shop tour because i'll i'll pretty much watch the shop tour stuff because just seeing how people lay out their stuff their workflow how they organize or store their stuff. I'm always in the mood for like new ideas as far as any of that stuff. I, I just love the shop tour videos. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I can spend so much time whenever we just walk into a new space. I just want to literally look at every nook and cranny, just kind of slowly and walk around um, to see how everything is stored. So for those of you guys that follow us on Instagram, you'll notice that uh, April and I had a, had a little bit of a bet being she's in Texas and I'm in Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers played the Dallas Cowboys, and we we had a bet about whoever's team won, the op, the opposing person would have to fly the opposing team's flag in their shop. Mm-hmm. And uh, April, how did how did that go for you? Well, <laughs> we we did what we typically did. We did what we typically do. We lost. <laughs> we got in there with some. Killer team and players, and just didn't follow through. But I ordered my flag, like I said I would, and I'll hang it up in my shop. It'll be in Sunday's video, but unfortunately, I shot this Sunday's video before the bet was made. So I'll hang it up, but it'll have to be a, like the very end of the video. It won't be throughout the video, you know? Oh, that's all right. I mean, you can have it in this one and then another one. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on my Instagram because everybody was on Instagram because there was a bunch of Packer fans that responded to the to the Instagram saying go pack and even people who weren't Packer fans, they were definitely not cowboy fans. So they were like, I'm for Seattle, but go Packers. <laughs> nice. I was outnumbered. I, I didn't really care who won because I was always going to whoever whichever one of you guys lost the bet, I was gonna be ragging on whoever it was. So I didn't really <laughs> care. But the fact that the Packers won which means I was with Nick rooting against April at that situation. I got so much flack. How could a Lions fan ever root for the Packers? <laughs> That's funny. 
Yeah, we were discussing right before recording. I said, well, you could talk about how I I won the bet, or we could talk about how you lost, <laughs> or we could talk about how you didn't win. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at one time he says that I was first runner up, which. Yeah, I mean that that's you know you got to sugarcoat it sometimes in life. <laughs> you were you were second place, but I, I mean out of two. Out of two, you know. <laughs> yeah, which which brings up I always like these little logic you know like riddles. It seems like a lot of people get wrong, but I think it's good like exercise for the brain, especially when you're out in your shop dealing with numbers and stuff. But so say the, the a guy is running a race and he passes the guy in second place. What position is he in now? He's in second place. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm noticing April's like, huh? <laughs> well, I was thinking to myself. I know it's a, I know it's a trick question. So, but I can't figure out where the trick is. But now, it's, as soon as he said second, I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not necessarily a trick question. It's just people automatically assume like, well, if he passes second, he's in first. He's but, in first. Yeah. So then, then the second part of the question is, if you're running a race and you pass the guy in dead last, what position are you in? Well, if he was in dead last, and you and but you were behind him, so you like lap him. You're pretty close. I mean, it's that's the trick question: is you can't pass the guy in dead last because unless you're lapping then, him, then well, in, yeah, then you'd be in dead last. But I, I always like those little, I guess you want to call them, you know, cognitive exercises, just to kind of get your. I mean, sometimes, you know, before sports and stuff, people stretch and try and get loosened up, warmed up. I think the same is true for a shop environment. Just kind of, I, I have a couple apps on my stuff for, you know, like those, I don't want to call them brain exercises, similar stuff. And it just kind of gets your, I don't know, the Jesus thing's flowing. firing in your head. Yeah. Gets, gets a good juju going for the day. Juju. Yeah. That's like those instant response questions, like name a color and a tool. Well, so nine times out of ten, it's some someone's gonna say like red hammer, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, there's I, I forget exactly what it is, but I think it's red hammer is the is the combination that people say most frequently. How very odd. It's I forget how there's one that you, you have to say the word silk again and again out loud, out loud, and then the the, the very last question in quick succession is. Uh, and so what is a, what is a cow drink? And a lot of people just jump to milk. No, no cows drink water. Mm. I don't know. Just, I don't know. <laughs> I, I like, I like those things. I totally jumped to milk right when you said that. I was like, well, milk. Oh, <laughs> 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 there you go. Um, let's see. So real quick, before we got, get on to questions, I started using a rasp in order to file down the, the eye of this hammer. And so then I, I put on Instagram, I'm only going to be using files. And everybody was like, use a rasp, use a rasp. So then it brought up the question, I guess a rasp is not considered a file. So then I, I asked somebody that and they were like, no, rasps are dedicated or made specifically for wood and files are made for, for metal. I mean, is that, is that correct? Um, it depends on the, on the file itself. You can use a file on wood, but uh, yeah, rasp is dedicated um, but typically if you get like a hand stitched rasp, uh, it's a lot smoother finish. You can remove a lot of material, but it's a lot smoother finish. But then again, it's handmade. So you're, you're going to pay significantly amount more, you know, you file a rasp 15, 20 bucks, but then for a hand stitched, uh, rasp, you're probably talking hundred dollars or up. 
Hmm. Well, I was, it's my first time using a rasp, but I was uh, pleasantly surprised at just how quick of a process it is and how much material it actually took off. Um, but I, I don't understand the, I guess, the, the shape of why is a rasp round on one side? Like, what is what do you use the round portion for? I've been using the flat side in order to, to, to shape the eye, but in what Concave. application? Different I know, for like, for what? Well, I mean, if if you have any type of concave surface, the the end of the butt of the axe handle is going to have a concavity to oh, it. Oh, of course. Okay, so it's okay. Yeah, like a spindle sander versus a belt sander. Well, like people that don't use spindle sanders versus awesome people. <laughs> <laughs> Team spindle sander. But yeah, the the, the rasps. They, I mean, they come in all shapes and sizes. The same with files as well, but uh, inside corners versus outside corners. Well, it's a good handy tool. Yeah, a rasp is one of those things as well, though, like those cheapo, generic, like Harbor Freight rasps. You, you can get a really crappy rasp. And then the really expensive ones, um, typically like the, the, the handmade ones, those are just uh, absolutely great and really expensive. But that's a you know that's always a good tool lesson. Some sometimes if you're drilling a hole with a drill and you go down to Harbor Freight and you get like a with coupon 7.99 drill, it'll hold on to a 3/8 bit. It'll spin it, you know. The, the, there's not a huge difference there as far as a one-off hole. But like Jay was saying with the rasp, you get a a garbage rasp versus a nice one and it's night and day. It's like trying to cut with a laser versus a the backside of a hacksaw blade. Yeah, it, that is a definite um, gap in in your user experience. But not a lot of people are going to say, "Here, hundred fifty dollars for a rasp that I'll use rarely." Mm-hmm. Y'all want to jump into some questions? Sure. The first one is from John Lamar. He says, "Since the weather has gotten cold in Montana, and my two-car garage stays closed most day most days, I definitely have to have a need for dust collection and filtration." I was planning on getting a wind unit, but I don't want to hang it from the ceiling. Will it be as effective on a cart like Jay's or under my assembly table? I'm tired of all of my tchotchkes getting dusty. Joni yeah. doesn't like it either. <laughs> yeah, I bet you don't. <laughs> Nobody likes dusty tchotchkes. Um, yes, it will be effective as long as it generates a... Uh, um, uh, as long as it cycles the air in the shop, there's a, there's there's placement. There's certain things you want to do to the placement of it. As far as like, um, you wouldn't want to put it in in like a corner of a shop to where it's only going to recirculate the same small amount of air. Uh, there's diagrams uh, that show you good placement on the internet. Diagrams that show you good placement in the shop that is conductive of recirculating all of the air in the shop. So it doesn't matter if it's up on the ceiling or if it's down in a cart. If it generates a good circulation of air throughout the shop, then it should be doing its job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Circulation is going to be. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before on the on the podcast or not, but uh, a friend had a flooded basement, and they had a professional cleaning crew come in, and I was surprised that they only had like one or two commercial dehumidification systems, but then they had like twenty fans. And they're like, well, you can't dry the air unless you move it around. And you can't, I mean, there could be a little stale patch of air. And if, if that air is moist, same thing with air filtration. If you, if you have a, an area that's the air is not moving, well, if it's not moving, you can't filter it. Interesting. Yeah, good. You want to take the next question, April? Sure. 
Let's see. Ed Gonzalez says, what to do about clogged blast gates? So frustrating. Hmm. I don't, you know, I'm so bad. I only have two blast gates, one that goes to my table saw and bandsaw, and I don't even bother because the, the dust collection on the bandsaw is so crappy that I don't even mess with it these days. So really the only one that I use is on my table saw and it stays open. Jay, I know you have a few in your shop. What do you do? Uh, I've got some homemade blast gates and some Harbor Freight blast gates. Uh, the Harbor Freight ones are those cheap black plastic ones. And uh, what I think he's talking about is <clears throat> dust gets into, uh, like when the blast gate closes, it can't close all the way because there is a, a pocket that the the gate needs to fit into as it's fully closed. Well, that pocket fills up with fine dust and just clogs the path. What I've done on all of my Harbor Freight blast gates is I've taken them to the bandsaw and cut a relief slot in the closed position of the blast gate so that when the blast gate is shut, if there's any debris in there, the gate itself is going to push it out the other side. The only downside of that is when the gate is open, there's another flow of air to escape, and um, which decreases the efficiency of your system. But I found that if I just put a piece of tape uh, over it and... Uh, kind of make a flap with the tape so it's not going to stick closed. But as the air flow, as the, the collection system is running, the suction kind of pulls that tape over the the cut that you made with the bandsaw and it kind of seals everything off. That seems to be doing the job just fine. Now, on all my homemade blast gates, uh, that side where it's closed, I just left it wide open so that the exact same concept is when you close the blast gate, it'll push any small little debris that may have caused an obstruction. Otherwise, it pushes that out, and then I also have a, a piece of tape as a flap that gets sucked back over it uh, when the collection system is running. Another thing uh, Ed could look at is if he's adding blast gates or switching any out, they make one that it has a pass-through door, so there's a, a hole in it, and then the actual solid, so that way any fibers that get in there, it literally just pushes it out completely. And who makes those? I'm not exactly sure. If you just Google like dual door blast gate or something to the, along those lines, I'm sure you could find it. I'm, I'm imagining peach tree or somebody. Okay. My blast gates don't get clogged because I don't have any right now. Yeah, Nick doesn't even do the dust collection bit. <laughs> I had a I had an old like shop vac system of like two inch or two and a half inch in one of my old shops. And uh, those got clogged all the time to the point of, yeah, I just kind of, uh, do I turn on the dust collection or not? And yeah. Let's see, we got a we got a question here from I believe it's Louis. You think that's Louis? Louis Uberg. Uberg. Are you? He's a big fan, and he says, "Let's say I'm planning a trip to the U.S. from Norway with the family to vacation. Um, buy twenty percent of what they sell in Rockler, and if possible, meet some of the YouTubers I like to watch. Do you think it's okay to just ask? I guess he's asking if he could just email individually or and say, hey." Or what do you think he means? Yeah, I think I think that's what he's talking about. But if if anyone's coming over to uh, meet up with YouTubers or whatever, it, you know, obviously you can't time everything appropriately all the time. But uh, if you can uh, time it so that there's a other an event going on where a bunch of people are going to show up to, like uh, Woodworking in America or one of the woodworking shows or something like that, uh, that'd be your best bet as far as meeting a bunch of people. But Everyone I've talked to is on the, on the YouTube creator side has, has always been uh, welcoming to the community. So, 
Yeah, I think I think it might be a little difficult. Uh, I think I think planning the trip around a, an event where everybody is or a, a few YouTubers are planning on gathering would probably be the best bet because the U.S. is so large, of course. And um, a, I, I, like me personally, I don't I don't tell people, yes, stop by my home and see the shop. Like the only time that I do actual meet and greets with with viewers or listeners is at public events that I attend. So it might be a little, little difficult to see multiple YouTubers, but yeah, you could always email and ask if they have any events coming up or if they, if they are okay with you stopping by. Yeah. Which we don't have enough time to talk about it today, but maybe I'll bring it up next podcast about a possible meet and meet up in June in Oklahoma. Um, Hopefully I'll have more information by next week as well, but that would be, you know, that's going to be like the fourth weekend in June. All right. Let's squeeze in one more. Uh, we have a little bit of time constraint today. So Ricky Chisholm says he recently made his first project where he needed to use eight quarter hardwoods. I have a few more people requesting t- for me to make similar items. My one horsepower table saw had a very hard time. So I'm looking to upgrade. I'm looking at the Grizzly, either the two horsepower or the three horsepower. The three horsepower is quite a bit more money. I have access to either uh, 120 volt or 220 volt or 110 or 220. So that's not an issue. Is the two horsepower enough? Thanks for all the great advice. Um, I had a, what was it? It was a one and a half horsepower, um, Porter cable. And that table saw handled like two and a half inch thick Oak. Uh, now of course you, you slow down and, and you adjust your feed rate based upon what you're cutting. And you can also take multiple passes. Uh, but, I don't see where a two horsepower wouldn't be enough for eight quarter hardwood. Yeah. And another thing to check, check to make sure you have a sharp, clean blade, a dull, dirty, you know, blade is, is going to make that table saw work that much harder. So that's just a quick thing to check before, um, you know, if you're, if you're bogging it down, you know, that's just a, a, an inexpensive thing to look at. Also take into consideration that, uh, one horsepower table saw probably isn't using a full kerf table saw blade to begin with, but if you are using a full kerf table saw blade, then you can get a thinner kerf blade to remove less material and therefore making the cut a little bit easier. And then you could also take that a step further. Uh, on my Grizzly table saw, the um, what was it? The G0690. Uh, a couple times I put on a a really good seven and a quarter inch circular saw blade, just a small one. You don't get that di- that deep of a cut, but it's a very thin blade and uh, y- you're not really removing much material. So uh, there's, there's other blades you can choose that will probably make the job a little bit easier. And then also if you're, if you're ripping woods and eight quarter hardwood, um, if you're ripping a good quality ripping blade with less teeth might be a better solution uh, as well. Well, and did you already bring it up about even if you're running it off 110, if it can run off 220, I would go ahead and bump it up to 220. Did y'all, did you say that, Nick? No. Oh, yeah. No. So like my, my welder could, I can run it off 110 or 220, but if I'm welding something thicker, then I go ahead and, and convert it over to 220 just so I can get more, more gusto out of it. So, I mean, if you're, if you have the option, then you might as well put it on 220. Yeah. I mean, is that, I mean, that's, that, that works in table saw language too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, and another thing to consider is, 
if you're going if you're deciding between 110 and 220 you, you can convert it and you'll get you'll you'll get as april said a little bit more gusto <laughs> power um, horse whatever but if you can jump up to something that is only 220 you're going to get more horsepower out of it as well um and then in fact that's what i i had called april i don't know what three years ago and i asked if hers was the 175 or the the three horse um, because I was I was kind of in that debate at that time as well, and I have zero regrets of having the bigger, more horsepower because I just don't have to worry about what I'm running through it, and it seems to handle a little little bit faster feed rate as well. Yeah, and you're never going to have to upgrade. That's the same reason I went with three instead of the one and three quarter. Even though I felt like one and three quarter would handle everything that I was doing currently, I won't ever have to worry about upgrading. But yeah, I would run it off two twenty right off the bat, and then. And then, like what Nick said, look for something for 220 right off the bat. And then the, the blade. That's all. I think that's really good advice, guys. All right. Well, we do apologize again for making this a short one. We had a bit of time constraints this week. Uh, but anyway, we want to remind you there's a couple different ways to stay up to date with the podcast. You can go to thewoodworkingpodcast.com and subscribe via Android, RSS, or on iTunes. And if you are on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We very much appreciate those. And also appreciate those who have taken the time to leave us who have left us a review. Um, but if you'd like to contribute, you can go to the woodworkingpodcast.com and on the sidebar, there is a contribute button or you can go to patreon.com slash the woodworking podcast and all of the contributions are very much appreciated. Uh, you guys take care, have a good one and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye everyone. Thanks everyone. See you later. <laughs>